Good morning, everybody. We're thawing out a little as the temperature's gently rising. <laughs> How cold is it? This is nuts. But anyway, anyways. All righty. This morning, I'm going to uh, continue this little series we've been looking at called Building a Kingdom Life over the last uh, sort of four or five weeks. And firstly, as we get into that, um, I might get, um, Isaac, did we put the PowerPoint on there, mate? We did, beauty? You ripper, well done. Firstly, I want to say thanks for praying for Nicole and I uh, off the back end of our um, efforts down in Melbourne, down at the uh, Vineyard Leadership Conference. It was a great conference and uh, it was the first time in three years we've been able to get together as um, some of the guys and girls there in that room we haven't been able to see for three years and it was a really special time and it was um, not only special to see each other, I think it blessed God's heart while we were together because he poured out his spirit in with with great generosity and power and and so we give thanks because you know you can you can load people up with a whole bunch of information, but information won't do the journey. You know, it's it's and you know Paul talks about that a lot, doesn't he? He says, you know, I, uh, you know, I, I didn't come to you with wise and eloquent words, but I came I came with a demonstration of the power of the Spirit. In other words, everything that um, Paul did was fueled by this activity of the Holy Spirit, and and. Um, and he says, and it's on the base workload of the Holy Spirit that all this other stuff gets uh, built on top of. And, uh, and so it was great. God just met a whole bunch of people who were thirsty, who were tired, who spent two and a half years of trying to no- negotiate all of the implications that um, the last few years have, have uh, brought before people and in terms of pandemics and how do you do community when you're not allowed to even be together? All these sorts of realities. And I've got to say, uh, you know what, if, if, you know, pray for pastors, will you? Pray for them. I mean, we had a whole bunch of them in a room together who felt like they'd done a terrible job the last few years because, you know, they couldn't, they just felt like they'd been knocked about from left to right to up to down and the wind knocked out of them. And yet... Um, and yet they're still standing. They're still standing. You know, Paul talks about that. Having done all that you can do to stand, stand. And these men and women of Jesus across the country, I, I, you know, I just hold, a, hold them up and go, amazing. Incredible people just to continue to be faithfully given to loving others and proclaiming the kingdom. And so... Um, we had a great time down there with that. Uh, God was very encouraging to us. Uh, we, we thought we'd grab a couple of extra days off the back of that to um, get some rest. Um, unfortunately, while we were having some rest, we also got COVID. And so we, uh, we came home and spent a week just stuck on the couch, basically. That thing knocked us about. And, um, but thank you for your prayers, you know, we're, we're back off the couch and we're back into the fray, <laughs> so I want to just <coughs> acknowledge your, your prayers for us and we're, we're deeply thankful, deeply thankful. Hey, um, <clears throat> you know, I, I just want to start with a small testimony. About five weeks ago when we 
uh, when we started this little series on building a kingdom life, uh, we, we, we started with that whole question of where Jesus comes along, the resurrected Jesus comes along and he says, follow me. And, um, and, and in the midst of that, we started to unpack this idea that actually the supernatural resurrected power of Jesus Christ actually wants to intersect into our everyday daily lives and what that might look like. And, and as part of that, we um, jump onto that first slide. Thanks, um, Isaac. Um, as part of that, we, uh, we believe God intersects in our everyday life with his divine power. And I just want to give a testimony. Like Someone came up to us at, in, at that um, after that Sunday and said, can you pray with me for um, a family member of theirs who was wrestling with all sorts of addictions and was spiraling out or down. And um, anyway, I just, you know, just received news that, that when we, we stopped and we prayed together on that Sunday and we asked God for a miracle, we, we asked God do something beyond what we can do. Anyway, I just received news that, that from that moment to this, so that would be probably six weeks, uh, six weeks, the person that we prayed for has not used any substances or turned to any substances at all, drugs and alcohol. It's like God brought his kingdom and is continuing to bring his kingdom in power to set people free. And I want to I just want to stop and give a testimony like Jesus is Lord. Jesus is alive and as much as the world wants to tell us he's not and that 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 Jesus is still in the grave and that you know we've all been brainwashed to think that God's alive. I, well, I want to tell you that story stands in stark contrast to the story of this world. Jesus is alive. He is answering prayers. He is bringing his kingdom and he is setting people free. And he's doing it right here through people like you and me. And so I want to just stop and, and say God is alive and he's good. Um, you know, we started that series of asking that question, following me. And then we looked in Thessalonians how Paul encouraged that little church in Thessalonica about how to get busy being ambitious to have a quiet life, a peaceable life, a, a life that seeks to honour others and build others up and a, a, a life that, you know, you keep your nose out of other people's business and just keep your nose on your own business. That sort of life, I know that's totally countercultural. It really is today, totally countercultural to actually keep your nose out of everyone else's business or spray everyone else's business, you know, but just keep on about your business and the way of the kingdom. Um, and uh, we, we, we looked into that and then we started to look at the idea of what would it, what would it look like if we um, invited people into our life with God and uh, and, um, you know, for some of us, we, 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 we're these feeler-type people that God's made us to feel towards others. We can feel when people are in pain or we can feel when things aren't going well for them. And so we move towards them. Uh, for others of us, it, that, that just does not compute. 
that that kind of approach to people but other but in terms of hey shared interests i can get around you because i i have a shared interest i understand what your the joy that you find in that interest and so you know what would it look like if we in, um, built relationships with people based on shared interests and also what would it look like if we invited people into our home invited people to our dinner tables um, these are these are just Practical Jesus 101 discipleship kingdom of God's life. And, and this morning, I want to push a little bit more into that, exploring the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, because we're naturally supernatural people. And I want to talk a little bit about this idea of called divine appointments in the everyday life that we live. Um, so if you've got your Bible, grab it out. John chapter 4, we're going to start reading John chapter 4 in a moment, where Jesus meets with a woman at, the, at, a, at a well, at, a, at Jacob's well. And we're going to look at that in a moment. As you're getting that ready, um, divine appointments. Divine appointments. Unfortunately, um, with the whole separation idea of, you know, spiritual and natural, you know how we've been poking at that thing, spiritual and natural. Unfortunately, we tend to um, have a big gap between those two things. But Jesus brings those two realities together. And we can be experiencing the supernatural outworking power of God in everyday life situation and circumstance. It doesn't have to be a spiritual special event for God to do things. God's deeply interested in your life. He's deeply interested in the way that you um, um, are married, in your marriage relationships, in your parenting relationships, in your workplace relationships. He's deeply interested in the, the, the way that you do relationship with the people in your street or in the dog park or at shopping centres. God is deeply interested in the whole of our life, the whole of the time. And he's not interested in trying to separate this idea of somehow God's stuff is up there and we live this thing down here. No, no. Jesus brings it all together and he invites us to be a part of it. Divine appointments. So you, you, some of you may know what a, what a divine appointment is. Some of you might be going, what's he on about here? But um, just, this, just a little snapshot of how God's alive and at work in the everyday. Everyday. Uh, when we were in Melbourne, Nicole and I and um, some of the... Um, team that are working with us with Vineyard Australia, we had to go to the Westpac Bank and we had to make all of these changes of signatures and accounts and all that fun stuff. And when you're doing it as a charitable organisation, it's, it's a real pickle of a job. But um, anyway, these people that somehow feel called by God to be tellers that help you in those circumstances, I'm glad they're called to that and I'm not. But anyway, they're called to it and they help you figure out how to do all of that. And there's a million signs to form, forms to sign and, and, and you've got to have approved minutes and, of, from meetings, giving authorization. And so we're doing these meetings while we're meeting and all, all this sort of stuff. It's all happening. And the good part for me was, I was I'm there really because they just want my signature. <laughs> but everyone else in the room was busy working hard to make all this happen. Now, the guy who was helping us, his name was Sel. S-E-L, Cell. And Cell, uh, working there at the Westpac Bank in Melbourne, he was uh, working with a group of, I think there was five of us there, and um, 
getting through all the paperwork and so forth. And anyway, I didn't think I had to be there and I got the phone call and so I had to rush down to the bank to meet the team and work with them. And so anyway, Sel is filling out the paperwork and, and he says, um, oh, Vineyard Churches Australia. He says, oh, that sounds interesting. And, and he just started to ask questions. Like, what's, what's that all about? So we told him, well, we said, oh, we're a group of, you know, Christian churches across the country and we're, we're, um, we're um, followers of Jesus. And he says, oh, okay. And he said, you know, I'm not a religious man. He starts with the, you know, I'm not a religious man. But he said, I've got to say, during this pandemic, he said, I prayed. So anyway, I just, you know, when in those moments you just go, oh, I'm going to take note of that file that in the in the context of the everyday the kingdom is breaking in so just take note of that anyway we talked a bit more and and he said oh he said you know during the pandemic in my village they they started six new mosques and I said oh where's your village and he said um I explained some part in the Middle East where his family's from and uh I said six mosques I said wow that's pretty amazing and, and he goes, yeah, he said, um, uh, yeah, they're, they've been really busy over there. And I, So anyway, then we're just talking business, getting all the sign, forms signed. And at the end of it, it's all done and dusted. And I just said to him, I said, Sel, before we go, I said, can we, can we pray together? Now, I know this guy's fully Muslim, but... He's serving Jesus' people right there in that moment. He's serving King Jesus' people in that moment. So I just said to him, hey, Sel, can we pray together? And can I pray for you? And Sel goes, oh, yeah. And I said, no, right now. He goes, yeah, yeah. I said, can I put my hand on you, Sel? And he goes, well, okay. He wasn't sure on what I was doing. But anyway, so I laid my hands on him and started to pray for him, and and uh, you know he's completely unaware of. Well, I mean, he's unaware of my model of prayer. He's got prayer in his model and mindset, but we're doing something outside that framework for a few minutes for him. And I look him straight in the eyes as we're praying, because he's like a deer in the headlights. Like, what is going on here? And we're praying, and the spirit of the Lord begins to fill the room. And the Spirit of the Lord begins to touch Cell. And you can see Cell was not just, he'd gone from being, I'm not a religious man, to the whole posture of his body and his countenance was leaning towards me as we were praying. The Spirit of the Lord was bringing Cell towards Jesus. Now, we prayed together. I prayed a few things that, just very general stuff. Like, God, thank you that Cell has been here serving Jesus' people today. We pray like a, you would bless him. You would bless his family with a revelation of your love for his life. I mean, just really general stuff. Not, not specific at all. And yet God honoured that with his presence and started touching this guy. Now, did this guy at the end of that prayer fall to his knees and confess his sin and want to give his life to Jesus? Well, no. No, no, he didn't. 
Did he come a little bit closer to Jesus? I would want to say, yes, he did. I would want to say that in the big story of Sel's whole life, that moment is a very important moment where we helped him journey from where he was a little bit closer to Jesus and Jesus' love for Sel. Now, um, I had a great time doing that. And then later on, we caught an Uber. At the end of the weekend, we jumped in an Uber and, um, and Muhammad was driving the Uber. And so I just like, hey, Muhammad, where, where's home? Because he was talking about wanting to, can't wait to go home and see his family in Pakistan. So he's from Pakistan. All his family's in Pakistan. And so he can't wait to get back to Pakistan to see them while he's on holidays. And, and we just said, what's that going to look like? And he just described all this food and fun and kept talking about mangoes as his food of choice. He says, there's no mangoes in anywhere in the world like Pakistan mangoes. And, and he explained how great they are to us. And we were just entering into the joy of that with him. And then, you know, we get to the hotel where we're going and he gets the bags out of the Uber. And I just said, hey, Muhammad, I said, man, can we pray for you for your, for your trip home to your family? And again, he, he, he was like, oh, okay. And, and I said, I'm just going to put my hand on you. Is that all right, mate? He goes, okay. And so I pray for him. And again, another, just, again, another guy completely foreign to what we were bringing of the kingdom of God and the love of Christ to a person's real life. They were totally blown away by that. You could see it once again, eyes wide open, looking straight at me in the eyes like, what's happening here? And the presence of the Lord, we're just standing in the gutter at the side of a hotel at the back of an Uber, and just, Jesus, would you bring your kingdom? Would you, would you bless Sel and the way that he wants to honour his family? Would you Thank you that he loves his family. Thank you that he's sending his resources home to care for his family. We pray that you bless his flight home to his family. We pray for his whole family that they would know Jesus. We just prayed for the kingdom to come. This is, this, now again, did Muhammad fall to his knees in the gutter and repent and give his life to Christ? No. Did Muhammad become aware of God's love for his life in that, in that few, few minutes at the side of the gutter? I would want to say yes based on his response and his engagement with the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in that moment. God's at work all the time, everywhere, in our everyday lives, if only we had the eyes to see what God was doing. God is interested in bringing his kingdom. Divine appointments are an integral part of seeing people who would be otherwise potentially resistant to hearing the good news that their hearts become open. Sometimes even the most hostile individuals turn towards God when a significant need is met. Let's read together John chapter 4. We'll go to the next slide. Thanks, Isaac. I'm going to read it off the screen because it's a different version to the one I've got in my in front of me here. So John chapter 4, picking up in verse 4. Now he, that's Jesus, had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well and it was about noon. And when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, would you give me a drink? Because his disciples had gone into town to buy food. 
the Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. So there's a very strong religious cultural divide there, obviously. That's in an uncomfortable moment, you know, um, for the Samaritan woman, but not for Jesus. Not for Jesus. It doesn't matter what religious framework you put up, whether you're a Muslim, a, Bund- a Buddhist, or a whatever you you know want to call yourself that 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 doesn't offend jesus he's not he's not put off by that um jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of god and who it is that's asking you for a drink you would have asked him and he would have given you living water sir the woman said you've nothing to draw with and the well is deep where can you get this living water are you greater than our father jacob who gave you the well and and drank from it himself as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become a spring of water welling up into eternal life. And the woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Next slide. Thanks, Isaac. He told her, Go and call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is that you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain. Again, <laughs> so let's just, just freeze frame for a second. So we're talking about water on a natural level and then it becomes this whole conversation about water that's somehow like spiritual it's like it's not a physical thing anymore it's like a spiritual hunger thing that's all of a sudden happening here for this woman and then again it's like as she's as she's opening up all of a sudden she again presents another barrier another religious barrier it's like hang on I, I can see that maybe there's something spiritual happening here but you're this and we're this and so therefore we can't be with each other, near each other. <laughs> uh, woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time's coming when you'll worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and now has come when true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they're the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah or the Christ is coming. And when he comes, he'll explain everything to us. And then Jesus says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. Now that just went really quick, didn't it? From, hey, can I have a drink to, guess what? I'm the saviour of the world. <laughs> I mean, we kind of read that and, 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 and quite literally, we kind of have a two-dimensional approach to it. But all of a sudden, it's, it's very hard to um, picture in that the nuanced work of the Holy Spirit who's weaving and touching and, and at the same time, Jesus partnering with the work of the Holy Spirit who's, who's wanting to bring this person from where they are into relationship with the Messiah and into the kingdom of God. Um, okay, let's quickly grab the next slide, if we can. Th- oh, hang on. Go back one. There it is. Um, anyway, it goes all the way through. And 
basically what happens is the disciples come back because she and they see her there and 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 they're worried about Jesus not eating enough food and so she leaves the scene she goes back home she tells everyone what's going on and everyone from home goes uh we need to see this guy and so they come rushing back to find him and Jesus is team are worried that he's he's not looking after himself here and he's not having enough to eat um but anyways a whole bunch of that woman's village came into meeting jesus because at the very end of it all of that the whole village says we realize this guy he's the savior of the world and it went from a request for a drink of water to a revelation that their whole lives were now being drawn up into that Jesus is the savior of the world from water to savior now there's a whole number of transactions that took place in all of that but the holy spirit's at work and there's a few little things that I just want to quickly pick up on on the next slide thanks Jacob oh Isaac sorry I was reading Jacob Isaac that'd be great the first thing is this holy spirit appointments happen when we realize and live with an understanding that God is at work all the time even before we get there even before we arrive on the scene God is at work this woman her life was being already prepared by God to receive Jesus Jesus expresses his natural thirst The Samaritan woman responds with cultural and religious resistance to a simple request for a drink. Jesus alludes to his true identity. Comes a conversation that there's water. It's more than water. It's life-giving water. There's a cryptic kind of invitation there from Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit. It touches on a spiritual hunger that's in this woman. Give me that water. I want that spiritual dynamic in my life, she's saying. You see, God is always at work and he's inviting us to help connect people to what God is already doing and often it just starts by an invitation to get involved in others lives. God was at work through Jesus connecting by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit this spiritual hunger that this woman had. You see and the grace or the gift that was at work in that moment was um a, the prophetic work of the holy spirit and I'll touch on the mechanics of that in a moment but god's already at work you see if we want to see the kingdom come more in our daily doings if we want to see and experience more of the kingdom coming there is a posture there is a kingdom posture of discipleship and the first part of that posture is an understanding that before you woke up this morning and got out of bed god was already at work already at work and inviting you to join him in it people that see the kingdom coming people that see uber drivers and bank tellers and um pharmacy workers or bus driving co- colleagues people who see the kingdom come live with a posture and an understanding like that of king jesus that even before we turn up on the scene the father is already at work 
are we living with that worldview? Are we living with that expectation that today, as I go about my day, I'm actually stepping into what God's already doing? Or have we somehow separated that out to the spiritual and I'm just doing the nine to five natural thing? If, that's our, if that is the case, then we, we're sadly missing out on this invitation from God to be his disciples. Um, <clears throat> have you ever been the recipient of a divine appointment? Have you ever been the recipient of a moment where you stepped into it and you, you realised God's love was coming at you through another at a, at a rate of knots that you couldn't hold back? Even when you did put up your spiritual, cultural, religious resistances? Have you ever partnered with God in a moment to see his kingdom come for another? And the joy that's to be found in that. I was thinking about this during the week and <clears throat> we've got Ken coming, Ken Fish coming here in uh, August, which would be great to catch up with Ken and see how he's doing. This will be his 100th trip to Australia. I mean, if, uh, that, that's incredible. I mean, talk about spend me, God, for your glory. A hundred times he's had to get on an aeroplane and, and, he, and he doesn't fly business. He just tucks away there in economy and comes on over. And this will be his hundredth trip of following God's love into this nation of what God's already doing. But Ken will be here. Um, and I was reflecting on a story of an encounter I had with Ken back in 2012. Uh, back in 2012, um, I took a flight to Melbourne to see Ken. He was meeting with, us, with a group of leaders in, uh, in Melbourne. And I, as I got to the airport in Brisbane and I put my bags down to be, um, you know, you get the ticket. It comes out of the, the little dispenser and you put it on your bag and then you put your bag on and weigh it and, and off it goes. Um, as I was doing that, they, it, it, the, the, I noticed that the sticker didn't come out with Kirk Delaney on it. It came out with a name on it, and I didn't realise. Didn't I never pay attention to these things usually because I just trust that the system will look after it. But anyway, as I noticed, as I put the bag on the conveyor thing to go off and in, and I got and I, I looked at that ticket and I looked at my receipt for the bag, and it said Timothy Bishop. I went, I'm not Timothy Bishop. So I quickly ran to the, after my bag had been, off it went into the, wherever it goes back there. And I went to the counter and I said to the um, staff, corner staff, I said, listen, my, my name's this, I'm on this flight, but my bag just got ticketed as this, as Timothy Bishop. Um, and also my seat says Timothy Bishop. And so they were like, oh, well, uh, okay, well, you know, they changed it all up and, and on I got onto the plane, okay. But when I got to Melbourne, uh, grabbed my bag and it's got Timothy Bishop on it and I get to this little leadership um, gathering in a room. There was probably about 30 people there and Ken just all of a sudden is starting to pray for people. You know, he's kind of like looking across the room like, hey, when I look at you, I feel like God's saying this and, you know, there's just this prophetic grace flowing and, and he's encouraging people and the Holy Spirit's falling on people and, and, he's, and he looks across the room and he says to me, you know, Kirk, I'm looking at you and I just keep hearing the word bishop, bishop, bishop. And at that, it was like, 
Oh my gosh, God, you've got my attention. This was a divine moment. And Ken just said a few things to me that has, has, has I, I still listen to. I, you know, I quickly put my record thing on my audio thing on my phone at the time. Um, and I often go back to that and listen to that because there were some things that God said to me through the mouthpiece of a guy called Ken by the power of his spirit that I still lean on today. I still lean on it today. It, f- it still fuels me today. So powerful was that divine moment, that divine encounter. Um, these things are very much part of the everyday life of following King Jesus. Um, <clears throat> divine appointments, have you ever had one? Have you ever been the recipient of one? Hey, let's um, jump on to the next slide. Thanks, uh, Isaac. Holy Spirit appoint the divine appointments happen when we live with this understanding that we're really helping other people just take one step. Just take one step. Um, and I'm going to jump onto this next slide if we can. Hopefully this one, the next slide there. I know it's a, it's a bit busy up there on the left, but basically um, what we tend to do is we tend to think of someone coming into the kingdom of God as a, as a moment. And if that moment doesn't happen, then we failed in our discipleship of leading people, inviting people into the kingdom of God and into relationship with Jesus. Well, I just want to back that truck up a little bit and just say, no, it's, it's a lot, there's a lot more going on here to get from a glass of water to the saviour of the world. And to go from a glass of water, ask for a drink, to the revelation that Jesus is the saviour of the world, there was a number of steps that took place for that Samaritan woman and there's a number of steps that take place for us as well as we're leading people into the kingdom. This is called the Engel Scale and um, a lot of missiologists and evangelists and... um, and others, church, church um, planters around the world, have, have kind of built this. It's called Engel's Evangelism Scale. And basically, it's, it's, if you start at the top there, it's, it's, it says they're like minus eight. It's, it's kind of like someone for the first time has a sense of maybe there's a God. You know, you might meet someone tomorrow that that's where they're at. Well, maybe there is a God. Or you might be in a conversation with them and they might say something to you like, you know what, during this pandemic and all the stuff that went down, I, I felt like I, I, I knew there was something more in life. And it might be just as general as that, as broad as that. But then the, then the journey comes where, as the people of Jesus, we walk with them in that moment towards where it says new creation and regeneration, towards that moment where they realise Jesus is the saviour of the world and their life as well. And most um, um, missiologists and, and Christian sociologists and so forth and anthropologists, they, they will tell you that in based on their best research that it takes 10 significant encounters for people with Jesus and his people 
for them to make the journey from where they are to faith. To faith. It's a process. Now, in the middle of all of that process, the Holy Spirit is busy at work, quickening people, bringing revelation, opening them up, placing spiritual hunger in them, where they go from going, talking about natural water to, I want that spiritual water. There's, to get from natural water to spiritual water is a journey. And it's our, it's our calling as the followers of Jesus to help people make that journey. And, and, I, and, and it's, it's, um, there's no greater joy than actually to sit with people and help them realise they're now one step closer towards Jesus. Sometimes it's dramatic. Sometimes it can be in the course of a week. Sometimes it can be in the course of years. That tend to new creation, we, we, don't, we don't get to determine how long that is. But what we do get to do is partner with God as he's doing it. Helping people come alive to God. A couple of years ago, um, Nick and I, we were on a plane coming home from Newcastle. And, I re- and there was a guy sitting <coughs> across the aisle from me and his name was Shannon. I've, after I started to talk with him at the end of the flight. But I noticed Shannon had a big surgery boot on his left leg. Um, and <clears throat> I was really tired. We'd just been in all these meetings. We're flying home. And I was tired. I put my headphones on basically to tell the world, do not disturb. I'm busy. And as I did that, he, uh, <clears throat> the Lord just kind of kept nudging me to pay attention to that guy's foot. Now, that nudge was annoying because it was distracting me from my my desire to have my own space and quiet. I'm tired. I'm spent. It's all about me in this moment. Please do not disturb. But that nudge, that annoying nudge of I couldn't let go of being drawn to that foot It was the work of the Holy Spirit. It was the heart of God saying, pay attention to what I'm showing you. You ever felt like God's annoying you? More often than not, the most evangelistic opportunities are the times where it's an an annoying interruption to what you want to do with your life. More often than not, the Holy Spirit in these divine appointments are these annoying interruptions to the life you're busy wanting to live when God's saying, hey, check this out. So anyway, we get through the flight and uh, I, I, I look over to him and just as everyone's about to get up and grab their bags and get off the plane, it was one of those little um, propeller planes. So it was nice and cosy. I've forgotten what size it's called. But anyway... Um, We're all nice and cosy, and I just look at him and I go, wow, that looks like it hurts. You know, very spiritual approach. And I just I was just being captain obvious. That looks like it hurts. And he and I said, and he says, Oh yeah, it does, man. And he told me what what it was all about. He just he'd completely broken his ankle and 
at a workplace incident and he'd just had major surgery. It was all done and now he was flying back home. And, uh, and I, so I just said to him, oh, wow. <clears throat> uh, so I just went straight to, because I'm about to get off the plane, can I pray for you, mate, that the pain would go? He goes, oh, yeah. And he grabs me, like, and pulls me over to him. So I'm like leaning into his seat and leaning over him and his mum's right there. I think it was his mum. There was, was a lady a little bit his senior. And, and, and so I was like, all right, so what's your name? And he says, Shannon. I said, all right, so let's pray, Shannon. And so we just pr- started to pray and invited the Holy Spirit to come, bring the kingdom of God, commanded all the pain from the surgery and in, in his body to leave his body and that he would receive healing in the name of King Jesus. And as that's happening, his, I think it's his mum, she's got the tissues and she's like, Mee! she's crying and, and it's, you know, and then it's, and everyone's all jammed around us because we're starting to block the aisle now. And I'm, <laughs> but I'm like, oh, well, I'm in a moment. I'll just do, I'll just go with it. And then in the middle of all of that, I said, Shannon, can you feel that? He goes, yes. I said, that presence is Jesus. And he loves you. I said, do you want to know Jesus? He says, yes, I do. So I said, okay, mate, just invite him in. Just say, Jesus, would you come and be my king? Would you be my saviour? Be my Lord. And he did. He just prayed that. And I said, well, that's done, mate. He's your king and your God. I'll catch you later. If you, if, here's my phone number if you need some help. And I never heard from him again. I don't know where he was in the Engel scale, but, you, but I just was annoyingly interrupted by the Holy Spirit of what God was already doing in someone else's life. Look for the Holy Spirit annoying interruptions in your everyday life. More often than not, it's God saying, check this out. My kingdom is coming. Let's jump on to the next one. Last one. Thanks, Isaac. We're living at a time. Last Sunday, Scott did a wonderful job of sharing with us the the story of the work of the Holy Spirit. We are living in the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit all over the world. Ever since this moment in Acts chapter 2, where God says, I am pouring out my Spirit on all flesh. On all flesh. God's pouring out his spirit on you. God's pouring out his spirit on me. God's inviting us to join in what he's already doing to see people come alive to Jesus. God says in Acts 2.17, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all all kinds of people in the last days. And he's been doing that since Acts 2.17. At the end of this encounter, Jesus also challenges his disciples as he meets with this Samaritan woman. He says, hey guys, there's a big load of work that my father's up to. It's huge. The Spirit's being poured out everywhere. He says, there's very few people that actually lived to lean into that work. 
It, the job, it's, it's so ripe, it's so manifest, it's so present, it's so everywhere in your face. But there's very few people who are willing to live into that and spend their life into that. The harvest is ripe. The workers are few. When you think about this week that's about to unfold, the appointments that you've got made, the formal appointments, the workplace commitments, the family things that you've booked in and locked in, and then also maybe think about a whole bunch of the incidental moments that you haven't got planned that are still going to come your way. Are you, am I, leaning in this, into this week to partner with what the Father is already doing as he's pouring out his spirit, bringing people to Jesus? And are we willing to live into that so that our little village where we live, our little village called Pine Rivers, at the end of the day, the testimony of our little village might be that guy, Jesus. He's the saviour of the world. The work is huge. The willing are few. I learned a term this week. I'm just going to land it here. I learned a term last week as I was listening to a... um, a social demographer in Melbourne that we had come and speak to our leaders. And this demographer said that one of the um, realities of impact that the pandemic has had on people's lives, Christian, non-Christian, just people's lives, um, is um, their sense of, as, as they've interviewed them and done all that they do to gather this data, He said one of the things that's strikingly huge is that um, people's relational fitness is massively declined to what it was four years ago. And he, he kind of unpacked that a little bit more. He said it's a bit like, you know, when you maybe at some point in your life you've you've pursued fitness, be it running or working at the gym or whatever, and you, you get a degree of fitness, but then you stop going to the gym or you stop running or you stop walking. And what happens is the, the fitness level of your body begins to atrophy, fall away. He said it's the, he, he said it's the same with relational fitness. I thought that's a really good term to explain people's capacities post the pandemic. People are really, really worn out. It's not that they don't want relationship. It's just they don't have the fitness for it like they once did. And in fact, as the social demographer, he said, you know, even like the physical body, the memory, the the fitness memory is still there. It just needs to be reactivated, which is 
It, you know, if you've ever been in that journey of going to the gym, getting fit for a season, letting it all go, and then you realise, actually, I do need to get back into this again. And you start to engage in it again. And it's like your body kind of knows what to do. It's like it responds to it positively again. But it takes a while to, to build up again to, to that degree of fitness. It's that same thing. People have memory, relational fitness memory in their, in their DNA, in their, in their body, in their mental well-being. But it's been completely fatigued over the last three years. That's why, um, and, and a big part of it is because of this, the disruption that has come from the pandemic. It's, it's been almost impossible for people to build rhythms in their life. You plan something, we have to cancel it. We spend all that time, energy and resource to make sure, to put something on and then guess what? Didn't happen. Couldn't be at weddings, couldn't be at funerals. It, it was, and everything in between. Births, you name it. There, there's this relational fitness that is now like this for a lot of people. And he coined this term. He said, once upon a time, we all lived with FOMO. He said, we, you know, the fear of missing out. FOMO. Four years ago, we were all living with FOMO culture. And then at the same time, some of us kind of peaked at that point and we all went, well, actually, I'm going to choose to live in jo- JOMO, the joy of missing out. Uh, you know, I'm peaking. I know my relational fitness is here and I'm going to choose JOMO, the joy of missing out, you know, because I've got that capacity now. But he said, unfortunately, where we have arrived at now is, 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 he said, as we've surveyed people, is people now live in HOGO, H-O-G-O, H-O-G-O, the hassle of going out. We've become so familiar with our couches, with our PJs, with our lounge rooms, with our TV screens, with only, you know, I can't be hassled with going out, that, that is a sign of relational fatigue. That's what we're contending with. That's our context. Why isn't everyone turn up for church on Sunday? Hogo. It's a hassle. hassle. Nick was talking with someone from our fellowship, a couple of weeks back, and they said, you know, we really miss seeing you when we gather because there's nothing quite like when you gather together. We really miss seeing you. And they said, they said to Nick, Nick, you make it too easy for us. She said, what do you mean? She said, I can just stay in my pyjamas, spend the day at home, and flick on at 4.30 and watch YouTube. Hogo. The hassle of going out. We've got, we got a whole culture of people living in Hogo. And our invitation in the power of the Spirit is to help them join in with what God's doing as he's bringing his kingdom to people. But realise this, they're tired and it will take 
a while, this social demographer was telling us, he said, once upon a time you would communicate something once to people four years ago and they would hear you. He said, our research is telling us now in the last two and a half to three years, as a result of everything that the world's gone through, you have to communicate that one thing now five and six times before people hear you. Hogo, can't be bothered listening either. Everyone is tired. Tired. Do I think this is God's will that we live in this space? I don't think so. I think the Spirit of God is being poured out all over the world, touching people's lives, and God is inviting us to join him in what he's already doing in seeing people come to Jesus and move one step closer to him and ultimately into relationship with him. This week, when Hogo comes and visits you, because it will, you have an opportunity to choose what you're going to do in response And my encouragement to you is this. Acknowledge it and say, God, I'm tired. I am so tired. This relationship thing in this season is really hard and I'm tired. But would you fill me with your spirit? Would you give me that living water that never runs dry, would you give me that drink so that I might live in your kingdom culture, not in the culture of this world? This, this week, this week, this week. Let's, let's, let's pray for... Well, firstly, who, who, I mean, if you've wrestled in with Hogo in this season, just relational fitness. Like, you know, I, I keep getting invited out to things, but I just can't be bothered. Or God keeps in asking me, would I invite others into my life? But to be honest, I can't be bothered. Hogo. Anyone wrestling with that in the room? Because this morning, I really want to pray for you. I really want to pray for you. For some of you, it's even it, that, that thing even invades your work-life space. It's like you're doing the minimum just to get through because you, you're spent. You're spent. The Spirit of the Lord is here to bring you good news. Who's wrestling with Hogo? I know I have been. Anyone else in the room? Okay. We've got a few there. Okay. We're going to pray for you specifically. We're going to turn all of our affections and the affections of God to you. To you two people that put your hand up. (laughs) To you two people. Sharon and Alyssa. We are going to turn all of our... We are going to partner with the Father's love for you too. For you too. That the Lord would fill you with his love and his spirit and that you would see relational fitness return to your life. See, everyone else in the room right now that didn't put their hand up, they're sitting there going, I want that too, I want that too. If you would like that too... 
why don't you stand? I'm going to ask Sharon and Alyssa, can you just stand for us where you are? And anyone else that wants in on this, just stand up right where you are and we're going to ask the Lord to come visit you today. Tavia. Any others? Yep. I'm going to... Sean, can, can those of us... Like, I'm going to split the room here. Like, I want everyone from Jacob right down to Bo and across the back here. And can, can you all... Actually, you all stay there. I'm going to ask Tavia. <laughs> can you come and stand right in the middle of that bunch?